Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Welcome to church. Can we have our please? How was your day? It was too much traffic. I think today was better, right? Yeah. So you're welcome to our Thursday service. Um, we are sure. God will bless us even much more than what we received on Sunday. So we are going to continue on our series on life and lessons. And I will have part two today. I want to bless God that God's servant is in our midst. And God will use him to speak to us today. So um, with a warm welcome and a round of applause, we want to receive um, Pastor John. Sir, please, can you come up? Can we welcome him with a round of applause? A round of applause. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. I hope I'm on. Good evening, everybody. So I hope you've had a good day and a good week. Praise the Lord. Well, it looks like um, I'm going to find which people I'll be talking to. Is it this side or this side? I want to know who is alive. Who is alive? How many of us were in church on Sunday? Most of us. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you. Welcome to the tribe. And thank you for inviting me again. I know Pastor Ferdinand is not here, but the team is here. Thank you very much for inviting me. I don't know where we're starting, but I know where we stopped. It's um, Thursday evening service. So maybe I will take one or two feedbacks before I, I move forward. It might help me. So that I'm not theoretical. I Let me be in context. So who was in church on Sunday? And is not afraid of public speaking. You can talk. Church is the best place. Well, family is the best place to practice practice public speaking. I tell my, I have young children, they are now all teenagers to the glory of God. So I said this is the place to practice public speaking. And in church, it's also a good place. So you can't, in church, if you're a nice people, I'm sure you're nice, don't laugh at people too much, right? Okay, so who, should I pick or they'll pick themselves? Should I pick or they pick themselves? Let's start from here. Let's start with her. You know, some people pray they won't call them. I don't know whether she's one of those. Let's start with her. Were you in church on Sunday? 
Yes, I was. Just very simple. I'll make it easy. Just key take away. And it's all about you, so you can't fail. Um, the key thing that I took out from Sunday um, is... How... Um, First of all, we have to collaborate with God when we are seeking to join with someone. Okay. Yeah. That in terms of relationship? Yes. Marriage? Marriage, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's like the key thing that I took. And then also not to put pressure on ourselves as well. Excellent. Well yeah. said. Thank you very much. All personal. Enjoy yourself. She, she can't feel. It's about her. What she took away. Very well said. Thank you very much. Are you standing up to speak or go away? Um, I think I'm just, I think the key thing for me was when you said to take it easy. Because okay. it's so easy in this, in the life that we live in, session in Lagos, to put so much pressure on yourself that you okay. sort of lose sight and lose track of yourself, you lose track of God. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to just be caught up in yourself to the point that you don't know who you are again by the end of the journey. Okay. So take it easy. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, so we said two. Anybody that is so eager to speak, they cannot wait. We're all good. Anybody like that, sometimes, like, I must say something. I must nobody. We're all good. Praise the Lord. Okay, Father, we thank you this evening in Jesus' mighty name. Welcome you. We know you're here. We thank you for the privilege of gathering together. We thank you for the purpose of our gathering together. We thank you for your divine agenda for our coming together. We pray that your agenda be fulfilled in this place this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in our midst even as it is in heaven. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for clarity. Thank you for understanding. Have your way among us. Let none of us leave the way we came. Let's have an encounter with you, a transformational experience that better prepares us and equips us for the work you have for us in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Well, I will base most of my teaching today, since it's a teaching session on Genesis chapter 24. We can go out, come back, um, I'm not so sure I'm such a disciplined teacher, so don't worry. I will, I'm more inspirational, but we'll see. So I'm reading from Genesis chapter 24 from verse number 1, or verse 1. And like I said on Sunday, this is my Bible. Don't worry, don't be intimidated by it. It's just eye-friendly. Praise God. Um, it's King James Version. If you're a good student, you know we talked about versions on Sunday where we have versions of the Bible and not editions. Editions means knowledge is growing. When you have editions of books written by men because science is growing. The Bible has no edition because knowledge is complete. It's just versions, right? Okay, so verse 1. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I'll make this swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of a Canaanite among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country 
and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Verse 5. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring their son again unto the land from whence thou comest? Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, from the land of my kindred, which spake unto me, that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, and his, Abraham his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. Um, that's a very interesting introduction. And as you know, the Bible it's, uh, is carefully written. The Bible said that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And I want us to take a look at this. In verse 2, the Bible says that Abraham said unto his elder servant of the house, that ruled it over all that he had, put I pray thee thy hand under my thigh, and I'll make this way by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Let me even back up to verse 1. And Abraham was old, well stricken in age, and the Lord God had blessed Abraham in all things. Please, I want you to carefully notice what he said and what is not said. The Bible says the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham was rich in cattle. He was rich in everything. But notice who blessed him, the Lord. He was a hardworking man. But he was not blessed because of hard work and diligence. He was not blessed because of how he lived. And yet he lived a good life. Abraham was blessed because the Lord had blessed him. And that blessing had a foundation. The foundation was covenant. And we see that in Genesis chapter 12. i read very quickly. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I bless them that bless thee. I curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It was a sevenfold blessing. But before then, he gave him a foundation. He says, get thee out of thy father's house from thy kindred. Going backward from thy father's house, from thy kindred, and from thy country. So from thy father's house, thy kindred, thy country. And I call this Abraham's or Abraham at this point, three deliverances. God came to him and spoke to him to leave. And we are told in Hebrew that Abraham obeyed and went, not knowing where he was going. It was a life of faith. Abraham obeyed and went, not understanding, not knowing where he was going. And the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. This is, the Christian life is a journey of faith. It's not, you don't throw away your common sense, but all the instructions that the Lord will give you will not always match up with common sense. And the reason is because God will give you instruction from his own vantage positioning and what he's able to see doesn't make sense to the natural man. So when God said to Abraham, go, and Abraham obeyed not knowing where he was going, 
on the basis of this, he entered into a covenant with him later on, but he gave him a sevenfold promise. When the Bible tells us later on in 24 that God had blessed him, it was because Abraham, who became Abraham, was obedient to the instructions of the Lord his God. In verse 2, Abraham unto the, back to 24, Abraham said unto his servant of his house, that relate over all that he had, I said, put your hand under my thigh and go and get a wife for my son. And so the fundamental question will be, why is he he's living amongst the people? Why not marry from amongst them? Why do you have to travel so far looking for a spouse or a wife for your son? And the man says to him, what about if the woman I meet is not willing to follow me? He says, I want to give you a warning. Whatever happens, is, even if my son remains unmarried, you must not take him back to where I came from. Because God expressly told me to leave my country, leave my kindred, and leave my father's house, and I'm not to go back there. That's the basis of my relationship with God. You must not marry amongst them. And how do you, how do you look at that today? How does that impact you and I? Well, when it comes to relationship, like she said, when it comes to marriage, whom are you going to marry? Whom are you going to choose to marry? You can't, just like Abraham in this passage, you can't marry from the wrong place and be believing God that everything is going to work out well because you're not stronger than God himself. Why could Abraham not marry from among the Canaanites? Because he had entered into a new relationship with God, a totally new relationship, and that relationship forbade him. He was, he was starting, he was the progenitor of a new nation, and God gave him express instruction. And that instruction is relevant today. As a Christian or a disciple of Christ, you have to understand what were Abraham's value system. What was guiding him? There are four aspects of what, how Abraham was thinking that you need to consider today. And this comes out in this relationship with this summer. The first one is that Abraham's highest priority was God. His relationship with God was his highest priority. He was not going to violate that under any circumstance. And it was the basis of his success and blessing. It's very easy in the marketplace to look at people and think, oh, this person is this, is that, because of this and that. Of course, there are so many things we might not be able to explain. Of course, there's the principle of diligence, the hand of the diligent makeru, there's the principle of hard work, industry, enterprise. But once you name the name of Christ, the foundation of your success is God. You have a part to play. It's a partnership, and we're going to see that. But it's God that becomes the foundation of your success. Anything outside of God is not worth it. God is one that blesses. The blessing of God make it rich and added no sorrow. Abraham worked hard. Abraham was industrious. Abraham was entrepreneurial. But Abraham was blessed because God himself had blessed him. So his first value is that God was his highest priority. God was a value for Abraham. It, was not, it wasn't a question of who will find out. It wasn't a question of um, what people thought. It wasn't like, but nobody knows about this stuff. No, 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 no. Joseph said, how can I commit this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph understood 
that having a relationship, an affair with Potiphar's wife was not a sin first against Potiphar. It was a sin against his relationship with God. It was a sin against his covenant with God. It was a sin primarily against God. And he said, no, this is the basis of my life. I'm going to, I have given my all to God and I'm not going to compromise that. Number two is that Abraham was very careful to obey the will of God. He understood what God had said. Come out. And he came out. So the second value of Abraham was the supremacy of the will of God. And, you know, for people at your age, where you are, when you want to enter into relationship, what are the considerations? What do you think about? I know that it's very easy. It's very easy for somebody to say, I can marry anybody I like. And I think that's not wrong. But I want you to consider a thought here. Let me focus on marriage for a moment. The marriage institution. Because I assume that most people here are not married. A few people are married. Some people that came with me, one person is married. Right? So I, and I'm married. Then I don't know who else might be married. So let me look around. Bro, are you married? How long have you been married? Five years. Excellent. Great. How long have you been married? Yes, you now. 11 years. Anybody else that is married? Who? Where's your wife? Is one pointing at you? She's inside. How long have you been married? Two years. Excellent. Anybody else that is married? How long? Six months. Do you really mean six months? Wow. Is your wife here? But she's not here. But she was here on Sunday. Okay, good. So, any other person in our class? Who? Ah, ah. Is your wife here? Ah. Raise your hand now. Uh, she raised her hand. I was just joking. I'm just feeling her leg. How long? I hope both of you have the same number. <laughs> Almost three years. Fantastic. Okay. So, anybody else? So, a few of us are married. So, most of us are not married. So, it's contextual. When you want to marry, whom should you marry? How do you know who you're going to marry? How do you know whom you should marry? Who said, what was the question? Do you have to marry? Let's ask those who are married. Uh, I don't know if they're the best people to ask because they're already married. Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. He said we should start with those who are married. I, I, I think that the challenge of asking those who are married is that each person's story is so unique that when you're single, that story is going to confuse you. You need to focus on the principles, not the uniqueness of those stories. Because if somebody tells you their story, you start showing yourself for it to happen like that, and you can miss God totally. So that's the danger. Every time people have shared their story, it's so unique, so nice, most of the time, that you start thinking, okay, so we met her in London, so do I have to go to London, you know? Or, you know, those kind of stuff, right? But it's good. I mean, we can, but I don't know if I want to do that this evening. Maybe I could. But let me share a few principles, right? I'm sure they have great stories to tell. Some of the stories might be six months by the way, it takes a long time for a couple to actually know why they married each other. Because when you're getting married, you're focused on getting married. You don't even know why. Why you? You don't know. But after, it, it sounds funny. It, it takes sometimes up to 10 years for you to understand from a divine perspective if you followed God, 
why God gave you the spouse he gave you. It's not, because when you're getting married, that's not what you're focused on. You're focused on many other things, right? Okay, but let me just show, share a few things. I, I don't have control of my time, so he's going to help me. When does service end? End, not me. Eight. Eight thirty. When did you? When did I start? Okay, no problems. Wow. Uh, let's see. Genesis chapter two, verse eighteen. Genesis chapter two, verse eighteen. And the Lord God said, "It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him." This old King James. This King James version, very old. I don't know if anybody has a modern version like New Living Translation. Or what version? K. Something else. Fantastic. You want to read, right? 18, chapter 2. I will make, make him a helper as his, as his compliment. Fantastic. So that's one of the words. I'll give him a helper. What did he say in verse 18? I'll, I'll make him and help meet for him. I'll give him a helper, his compliment. And God said, it's not good that man should be alone. So, you know what that means? It means that God is the founder of the marriage institution. It starts with God. God is the initiator of the marriage institution. So, it's not man's idea. It's not man's idea. It's God's idea. Okay? And then God looks here and says, I'll make him and help meet for him. So that word meet means complementary. It means fit for purpose. It means comparable to him. It also means I'll give him a help, his size. Marriage is not one size fits all. So if you wear, if you have you are all wearing very nice shoes, most of you, and some have sandals and so on and so forth. If you look at that shoe, that polo shoe, of that color, of that style, if you go to a shop, especially maybe in the Western world, maybe in the US and so on and so forth, you will only see the sample most of the time. Once you pick it up, they say, what size? You don't say, I want polo sneakers. No, you have to tell them what size. Apart from the color, what size? Because if you don't buy your size, you're going to be in trouble. It's going to be either too big or too tight. So when, you, when you're getting married, if you're not careful, your spouse will be too small or too big for you. I'll give a helper meat for him, not any helper. So when you talk about wife, go and find a wife. But I'm going to show something because of my limited time. Okay, um, why I say this is because it's important when it comes to relationship. Since most of us are single and you, I thought he said, he was talking about marriage. You don't have to marry. But if you choose to marry, then pray and prepare to marry well. Okay, if you choose to marry, pray and prepare to marry well, right? Okay, so I will give him and help comparable to him. So I have a friend he's also a mentor. When he was getting married years ago, this was his own experience. He was born here, moved to Europe, lived in Europe, and was living there for a season. And it was, as it happens to many Af people of maybe Africans, I don't know, you know, you come to a place, after a while, he was more 
enamored, excited about the European girls than the African. So he wanted to marry somebody of European descent, however you want to look at it, in his heart, not with his mouth. I'm sure when he's talking, he's going to just, you won't, I'm not sure he will have the courage to tell people. You just say, oh, no, everything's fine. But in his heart, in his heart, he wanted to marry what you might call, in, in quote, a white girl. Okay? In quote. And, and then he went to a conference somewhere and God showed him a Nigerian, and he's Nigerian. And they got on, they talked, and he went back to where, the city where he was living, didn't really want to think about her so much, you know. But then, as he was praying, he's a very prayerful person, which is a massive plus. Because in this passage we're reading about Abraham, Abraham is a very spiritual person. He's very successful, very wealthy. Abraham had an abundance of everything. Abraham was as wealthy as nations in his era. Abraham fought as a person. Only where kings of nations fight. From his household alone, there were 318 servants trained by him that went to war on his behalf. Abraham was a king maker. Abraham became the founder of a nation. Abraham was one man so blessed by God, he lacked nothing material. Now, there's a beginning to that blessing, by the way, but we might not get there, but let me focus on this. So, Abraham is saying, go find a wife for my son. In this pastor's story, this time he's not a pastor, he's just praying, praying. And then he said, in his, an open vision, He's wearing clothes of different sizes and God is saying, too tight, too big, not your size. Then he puts on the one with the name of this Nigerian lady and God says, right size. And then he comes to himself. And when I, listen, when I read that story, because it's documented, he told the story, he wrote it. And when I read the story, I completely understood Genesis 2.18 when he says, I will make him a helper meat for him. It means fit for purpose. What it means is that as a Christian, you can marry any Christian, but every combination of two people will produce a different result, different outcome. Okay? So, God's, so when you say, what's the will of God in marriage? It doesn't mean that God is choosing spouses for people, but he's telling you the best outcome for your life. The best outcome for your life. It doesn't make sense. Best outcome means that Remember, because we don't have the capacity to think longest term, not just long term. Like, if you're getting married today, what would you look like in the next 30 years, 20 years, 50 years? That's what you can't predict because you're human. You're limited. So, when, so when, when we talk about the will of God in marriage, the counsel is, first, the supremacy of God. Make God a value. And this is something that is personal. Making God a value is something that that as the pastors teach, the teaching pastors and the elders in the church or the leadership of the church, as they teach, you have to own the message. Because there's no message you hear once that you hear enough. Because even the Bible says that faith comes by what? And then hearing the word of God. Not even one hearing, two hearing. The first hearing, hearing produces faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. The second hearing is when you get into the ministry of the word of God. That's why God said to Joshua, said, hearken diligently. He said, thou shalt hearken, 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 hearken to the word of the Lord your God. Now, let me pause here. So, make God a value. Make it personal. You have to, you have to have a primary relationship with God. When we come to church, everything that goes on from the podium is secondary relationship. Your pastor knows God. He studies God. He teaches God. You hear God. You have an impact. Sometimes you can have goose, goose uh, what, bumps. You can have goose pimples. You can have everything. Sometimes you feel nothing, but you say, I like that word. 
But what will cause you to grow in your faith is what you do beyond the service. In your devotional life, in your work with God. So, I can't exhaust that tonight. I say to you, make God value. Let God be your highest priority in life. You are young only once, but you must remember the instruction of the Bible to worship the Lord thy God in the days of your what? Youth. Number two, I said the supremacy of God's will, which is where I am. I said the will of God. When I say the will of God in marriage, what do I really mean? Don't I have the power of choice? As a man, don't I have a right to roam around Lagos and be looking for a spouse? Should I, why should I walk with my eyes not open? Well, we, we, I mean, in a joking manner, when you're single and such, you have a right for your eyes to be open. Because, so that when you marry, your eyes become half closed. Right? But the truth is that even the principle in Genesis is called the sleeping principle. God put Adam to sleep in order to give him the wife that he needed. Not the one that he thought he needed, but the one that he really needed. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you can't choose, but what it means is that there's a God factor there. That God, if you can make God a partner in the choice, he will help you. So, what is this about the will of God? What it means is that you partner with God and ask him to help you and to guide you in the process. Because you can't, you can't, you can't tell. You can't really tell. You can't, say, you can't say you know somebody. You can't say, you know. There are many surprises in relationships, even the ones that didn't end up in marriage, right? Um, I mean, let me give you some things for you to chew. So let's talk about the dating, for example. People say, okay, we date. And the reason we date is to know each other, right? But even the concept of dating itself is human. And marriage itself is godly. Dating is man's answer to the dilemma of who to marry. Because, because the, the concept of how do I know who to marry is a divine dilemma. It's like, yes, it is. It's some, you don't know. It's not like a business venture. If I fail, I start afresh. If you fail, you don't start afresh. It's called divorce. God said, I hate it. Now, do people do it? Yes. Um, because they do it, does it make it right? No. What about if the person is an ordained bishop? It doesn't mean anything. Nobody has ever died, went to judgment, and came back. All of us are human. So don't use people's behavior to change the Bible. Don't say, because people are doing things, it's so normal. Therefore, it, it doesn't, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. So just whatever you do, don't be judgmental, but always tread carefully. Okay, so here's where I'm going with this. The point I'm making is that the concept of God's will is that trust God. Just believe God. Trust him. Number three value that Abraham exhibited is that God's word was exalted above everything else. The word God gave him became the total guide of his life. This word. So there are many confusing things. Okay? You may not convince the whole world. You may not even lead a crusade. But make sure that in your personal life, and then obviously your family, that the word of God is supreme. So when I was here on Sunday, I said something like, he created a male and female. And there, you know, there's L, G, B, Q, T. Now, I, cannot go, I may not go on TV, depending on where I live, and be arguing, but I, I cannot be confused. I know that man is confused, but not God. 
So, so somebody says, so what will you do? I don't know what I will do until I get there. But I'm just saying, I'm not confused. It's getting male and female. Male and female. It's the supremacy of the word of God. So, but what about if I don't feel male? Don't worry. Leave those things, right? Just leave it. So let's go on. And the final thing for Abraham, he had God as a value. He made the word, he, God's will, the supremacy, the supreme in his life. And then the word of God was the final authority in his life. For Abraham, the word of God was the final authority. The fourth value of Abraham is that he made living for God, serving God, worshiping God as the reason why he lived. The reason he lived was to serve God. He was a businessman, not just because of the profit. It was his platform for glorifying God. Abraham didn't get involved in ventures just because of the bottom line. No, no. Everything he did was to bring God glory. He lived to serve God. And this is something we can imbibe and accept. So let's move on. So he comes to, he says to this man, you go find a wife for my son. And the man goes on this journey. It's a long passage because of time. I see the time they gave me and it's running out. He go, so on this relationship thing, he goes to find a wife. And Abraham said that the angel of the God whom I serve is going to go with you. It's called divine guidance. Many things look normal or natural, but God is involved. God is involved, especially if you trust the Lord with all your heart. It's a big thing. One thing you have to remember is that there's no big deal when God is involved. No problem, no challenge is as terrible as it looks if God is involved. The issue of relationship, of marriage, like I said on Sunday, I want to emphasize it or emphasize that. Just calm down. Just calm down. And have faith in God. Ask him, what should I be doing in this season of my life? How do I prepare? This man went on this journey. Along the way, he prayed a prayer and said that the angel that my servant, my master serves, I'm trusting you that the first girl I meet and ask to give me water to drink. And then the person will say, let me also give you a camel. Let it be the person. And she was just there. And Rebecca came. And he just offered her, asked for help. She assisted him, assisted to help him with his camels and so on and so forth. And he asked her, but where are you from? And he says, by the time she discloses who she is, he realizes that it's from the same family he's looking for. God had answered his prayer. God had guided him. If we have faith in God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible unto him. We don't have to help God. And when, if I focus a bit on relationship and I say, okay, you're not married, you like to marry, you don't know who to marry, you can't know a person by checking them out. No human being has the capacity to check somebody else out. Because you can't even check yourself out. You don't have the capacity, believe me. Because if you worked, many people won't have the challenges they've had. People have been together for years and they got married, they were still surprised. Well, let me tell you the positive spin of that is that people that are married for 50 years, 
and many have been, and some are, are still rediscovering themselves. If you meet couples who have been married for 50 years, they'll say, I'm still finding things about my spouse that I didn't know, and we're 50 years in marriage. So that tells you that it's a very long journey. It's not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. But then, let me share this, because of our time again, that in order to understand these concepts I'm sharing, you have to say to yourself, by the way, on Sunday, when I said God is a God of original intent, what's God's original intent for marriage? What, does God, what did God have in mind when he launched the marriage institution? What did God have in mind? I use peace to describe them, the purpose of God. You realize that it was prophesied that the virgin Mary shall be with the child and shall give birth. That child shall be called the son of God and shall become the savior of the whole world. Mary. The purpose for her marriage. There was a purpose for the pregnancy. What, why did God create the marriage institution? Marriage institution is unique. He has his own characteristics. You would have heard that this is the only school in the world. You, give your, you get your certificate before you start. They give your certificate of marriage on the day you get married before you start the marriage. And it's also the only school that you never graduate on death, except you do magomago. Okay, so it's very unique. It's the oldest institution on earth. Marriage is older than Harvard University, which is the oldest corporation in America. Marriage is old, founded by God, as old as the Bible. Marriage is old. It's an old, old institution, founded by God. What was God's original intent? Number one was that it was through marriage that God's purpose for humanity was going to be fulfilled. Because he said, replenish the earth, be fruitful, multiply. That was not going to be possible without marriage. And yet he gave that promise at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Let's look at that very quickly. Genesis 1, 27. He says, so God created man in his own image. An image of God created in him. Male and female created them, verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over all the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That fivefold command could not be fulfilled without marriage. So, the first is purpose. The purpose has two levels. One is the purpose of God. What's God's purpose? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the second level is the purpose of those involved in the marriage. God brings two people together that they fulfill a divine agenda, a divine purpose. Joseph married Mary is a combination that was going to produce Jesus, and Jesus was the savior of the whole world. It was important that they fulfill certain qualities. The prophecy was that Mary, that the, whoever was going to be the mother of, of the savior, or our savior, it was going to be a virgin. It's a long story, but that's there. Number two, purpose or reason for marriage is for what you call procreation. Procreation. They will have children. Number three. They are not in any order. Number three is for partnership. Two are better than one. If marriage is done the right way, two are better than one. By the way, many marriages fail because after a while, the coupled couple cannot see the reason why they are coupled. They are fighting over things and they forget that two are better than one. There are many implications. For example, um, many people do not understand why their spouse is different from them. There are people that spend all their life trying to make their spouse to be like them, which means uselessness. 
if you want to live with somebody that's exactly like you, why do you need the person? Somebody gives you a different view. You say, this is complimentary. I've never talked like this. So you tell them, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's red. He said, no, it's not red. It's purple. Why can't you accept red and purple? What I'm trying to say is that your partner doesn't have to be exactly like you. God is bringing them into your life to complement you, not to always agree with you. There's a difference between unity and uniformity. To be united doesn't mean to be uniform. Okay? So, the goal of marriage is that two become one. But it doesn't mean that... By the way, we struggle with this. I struggle with it, okay? But some of the most successful marriages happen when a partner understands that their partner compliments them. They don't force them to be like themselves. So if you're like a, if you're a man and your wife is different from you, you either accept the difference and ride the difference to your destiny or you fight the difference and delay your destiny. Does that make sense? It sounds simple, but because you are single, you will, practice, you will see it in marriage. Don't worry. Just talk it in some way. Partnership. Partnership, 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 partnership. It's very easy to argue with your spouse. They, they, they are different. You can't understand their point of view. Even the way you say, let's make more money. Just something so basic. And they start. You say, that's not how we do it. It's different. I say, what do you mean? This is how my mother made it. No, 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 no. This is how to do it. Wait, wait. Please, stop defining the way you do things as the way things are done. It's the way you do it. Just like, it's the way you do it. It's the way, the way you do it. Don't define the whole world like that. That's, no, 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 no. That's how we did it in my home. How did you do it in your home? So you now know two ways, no longer one way. Does that make sense? Okay, so the next one. The next one is power. If any two of you shall agree on earth. God created marriage because two people form a spiritual quorum. And they can move the world. But anything they shall agree on earth, it shall be done for them by my Father who what? Is in heaven. Can you imagine? It means that a couple can change the world. We just need to, a couple, just one couple to change Nigeria. Not two couples, one, one. If any two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, anything, anything, blanket check, let me remind you, this is the biggest challenge of Christianity. The way God created the faith, our faith, it's simple. We make it complex. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. All things are possible to him that believes. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believes. It's not how much you pray, and prayer is powerful. It's whether you believed when you prayed. Did you believe? Do you believe when you pray? And it's not a complex thing because you believe many things. I mean, you're here today because you believe that when you came, the doors will be open. That's powerful. You're sitting on that chair because you believe the chair will carry you. You already have a lot of faith, but this faith that moves the world is faith in God, not faith in a chair. Faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be that removed and be that cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things say shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Power. To increase the power of prayer. God created marriage. The next one, P, is pleasure. Not just procreation. It's possible to have a marriage and there were no children and yet you have pleasure together. 
There's God. The only place, the only legal basis for sex is marriage. Any sex outside of marriage is illegal. You can justify it. You can speak grammar. You can go to the best schools. I'm telling you, you're living in sin. You can, you can slap me. You can throw stones at me. You can say anything. But I'm telling you, you're a sinner on your way to somewhere else. Not where God is. The only place, the only place where sex can occur legally is in marriage. Outside of marriage, it's illegal. And God has reasons for that. Let me give us, let me share with us so that this is a practical class. If two people engage in sex, they are not married, somebody is going to take in under normal circumstances. When the person takes in, what do you say? Why are they debating abortion, pro-life, because of abortion, because of pregnancy outside of marriage? It's a big debate. And by the way, they've convinced everybody. Everybody's saying, because if you say, I, I'm, that, what they will say to you that let her choose. She can choose to abort. You can't choose to abort. That's, right. That's a holy thing you're carrying. Right. You can't choose to abort. You cannot choose to. Look, there can be accidental parenting, but there are no accidental babies. So, so let's understand something. Nobody, no human spirit enters the earth space by accident. Okay, so, but let's leave that apart. The point I'm making is that, so why is such a big discussion? Abortion. Why? Why? Because people are getting pregnant with no responsibility. So God says marriage. Marriage is that. You desire children. You hunger for it. You, pre you prepare the room for it. Because you're married. When you're not married, you're praying that it doesn't happen. But you're getting involved in the thing that makes it happen. Yes. And God is... And, and, no, follow me for a moment. Just follow me. Now, somebody says, but I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying it. But just look at the total picture. Look at the total picture. Let me give you some pictures. Do you know that one of the things that you can truly give your spouse on the day you get married is your virginity? Yeah, what else can you give them that they don't have? If it were... Now... Both ways. I'm just saying both ways, right? Now, somebody says to me, somebody says to me, Somebody, somebody says to me, but Pastor John, be real. In this generation, we are sending children to boarding school abroad at 16. Are you expecting them to come back virgins? Are you, are you real? Uh, so I understand the challenge. Yeah, I understand the challenge. But I'm, remember what I told you. I will not be sharing with you my personal experience. I'll focus on principles because my experience might confuse you because you start trying to have a similar experience. So just look at it. It doesn't matter what you can say about pastor. What about if I'm not a virgin? Well, there's what you call secondary virginity. To say, I am not, but I choose from now onwards that I am. Hallelujah. Yes. Okay. So, let, let me tell you where. Let me tell you where I go with this. Let me tell you where I go with this. Let me tell you where I go with this. I want to, I want to, I want to paint this picture in my limited time. The picture I'm painting, the picture I'm painting on both sides of the room, right, is this. It's very simple. Is that, is just, just look at it from God's perspective. Look at it from God's perspective. God doesn't want you to be in pain, emotional pain. He wants you to enjoy your spouse. God never wants you married and comparing your spouse to somebody you used to know. 
He doesn't want that. And there are marriages that fail because of that. Because somebody is not saying it, but you're not performing like somebody else. You're not saying it. It's like, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong? There's nothing wrong with you. Something's wrong with him or her. Not you. Because they know something you don't know. And they are comparing to something you don't understand. Because of where they're coming from. So they are, so, but when I say this, I don't say that to condemn you, condemn me, condemn anybody. But I'm just giving you a divine perspective where God says that the marriage bed is honorable in all, the bed undefiled. It's for, your, it's for the uniqueness of your experience that is pleasurable. God wants you to go to your honeymoon and have a unique experience. It doesn't need to be like, what's there? Eh, what's there? So, for pleasure. How many have I mentioned now? So I've mentioned purpose, I've mentioned procreation, I've mentioned partnership, power, and pleasure. So I've mentioned how many? So let me give you two more. Number two is purity. The only way God preserves the human race genuinely is by the law of marriage. The law of marriage. Let me tell you, let me explain it in practical terms. Do you know what, it, why is it that people do not trust their driver and their daughter? Because of lack of purity. The world is defiled. Yes. There are few people that are going to leave their young children with a house help, a domestic staff of the opposite sex. Because of lack of purity. The world is defiled. But if the world was pure, and we all minded our business, and you trusted me, and I trusted you, even the way we do business will be different. The reason why we say, are you sure? Are you sure? This contract? Sign again. Sign again. Oh, let me call them. The reason why, the people I work with in the office, the people I work, I work with people in the office, every time I'm a signature to the account, and I'm on the board, right? Every time they take a check to the bank, which I signed, the bank will call me. They say, they don't know I'm calling you. Say, I want to ask you, did you, did you sign it? Yes, because the world is bad. Yes. They don't believe them. They don't trust them. Because there's been a lot of fraud. There's been a lot of fraudulent activities. The, God created marriage to preserve the integrity of the human race. That only in the context of marriage, one man, one wife, they're on their own. Even from the beginning, there were issues. So that's one of the purposes. That's why you say, that's my husband. And that should be a statement of finality. That's my wife. You, your, your, your spouse should not be wondering where you are. You shouldn't go home and your wife say, let me see your phone, let me see your phone. I have cases where somebody says, um, somebody will call the wife or the husband. He say, I'm in the Koi Bridge. He say, give it to the driver. Let me find out. <laughs> These things happen. But let, you know, but let me say why it happens, okay? Because so I have to land somewhere. Because I don't want to miss the main point. The, way, the reason it happens is the reason it happens is because even when you are in a relationship, if you don't trust each other, the things you do that you think is fun will be of lack of trust later on. You said, when you me, you left with me and we're not married. What makes you think when you say you're going to London, I trust you? Does that make sense? Yes. So, now, it's not to condemn anybody, but I'm just saying that it's human nature. Human nature. Doing what is right 
makes it easy for trust to happen. The final one, of course, is protection. When you are two, somebody looks at the back. You're able to, you know, you don't need to look at your back. If you, if you have, if you're a wife and you're going to your husband and they're walking behind you, they can, of course, they throw it into your generation side by side. But you know, the older generation, the woman is in front. Miss who come and touch you. It's a, it's a statement, but it's protection, protection, protection. These are, so for God, when God thinks about marriage, by the way, the reason God's views are a bit different is the way God viewed it. He viewed it as a holy estate, something honorable, something fun. And there's so much more to marriage that I've not mentioned. I've mentioned pleasure. And inside pleasure, there's a lot. There's spending time together. There's going out. Um, the real dating is for married couples. The real thing. You know, you don't notice that, that many, people come to, many people go out. When they get married, they stop going out. To go out is wahala. You know what called wahala? You can't, you can't even drag the man out. Let us go and have a drink. He says, I'm tired, Joe. Leave me. Cook food, make a chop for house. And yet, and yet, and yet, this is when it's totally legitimate. When it's fun. My closing thought on this, and I do one more thing before I close, I hand over, is that why is it that, what, what thoughts occur to you when you see two people, a young guy and a young girl walking on the streets? Many times you You don't say it, but It tells you how all of us have been affected. I'm affected. It doesn't occur to you, what about if it's husband and wife? What's home? It affects all of us. It affects all of us. It, even me, you understand? The fa your first touch is not, ah, this man loves his wife. In fact, in fact, in fact, in fact, the statement is that if you see two people, adults, male and female, in a car, having a good time, it's boyfriend, girlfriend. If you see them quarreling, it's husband and wife. Okay? So you have to make up your mind that your spouse will be your best friend. But let me show you one more thing. One more thing. I hope I'm not boring you this evening. I want to show you something that I thought is intrig intriguing. Let's go back to Genesis 24. I didn't follow it. The moment he gave me time and told me 30 minutes more, I stopped following my process. Easy more. Because I realized that, I realized that if I do what I was trying to do, <laughs> I will not go halfway before I say, <laughs> we need the mic from you. <laughs> so, so let me show you this, please. And that time, even Pastor Fedi was not around. Because if he was around, I would have just said, Pastor Fedi, help me now. <laughs> this man is tough. He's, but it's Pastor Fedi that gave me instruction. Okay. So, no problem. Just look at Genesis 24. Look at the conclusion. It's a, it's just if you read from Sisu, and Isaac came from the way of the well Leharai, for, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the evening tide, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted up the camel, for she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It's my master. That means she knew that this is the man I came to marry. And Therefore, she took a veil and covered her face. By the way, this is the foundation of veil in marriage. Why brides are covered with veils from here? Because when they say kiss the bride, they are assuming it's the first kiss. But you know. You know. No, but... For she said, for she said unto the servant, 
what man is this that walketh in the field? Is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac, listen, follow this. I'm concluding. He said, and Isaac brought her into his mother's mother, Sarah's tent, which means Sarah's room, right? Room. And took Rebekah. And she became his wife. And he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. I want you to notice the sequence. Isaac took Rebekah. Brought Rebekah into the mother's room. Or tent. And Rebekah became his wife. And Isaac loved Rebekah. And Isaac was comforted. Notice the sequence. Isaac did not love Rebekah. And then Rebekah became his wife. He loved whom he married. Rebekah was first his wife before he loved her. Why is that? Well, let me tell you why. Because, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because you don't know the love. What most people call love is lust. You meet a girl. She's, I'm a man, so let me use myself. You meet a girl, and she's good looking. You find her attractive. You say you love her. No, you lost after her. You can't love her. How can you love what you don't know? What do you know about her? He, she, she has good looks, right figure, you like the voice, you're lost after her. The reason I say you're lost after her is that you, you really love that girl. When she makes you angry and you still love her, then that's love. But when you're looking at something, no responsibility, you know, that's why you see men, listen, let me finish now. You go to work, you see men, you go to work, you go to I work in an office. You see me going around greeting girls. You know, wow, in the morning, right? I don't do it because they are not greeting their wives like that. The reason they are doing that is that there's no when the if you come home, the wife say, "Hey, rent is due." You don't greet her like that. You say, "Wait, wait," because there are serious matters to discuss. But when you go to work, there's nothing. You just everybody's looking nice, you know. You say, ah, I like your hair. Yeah, you didn't pay for the hair. I like your this. You didn't buy it. Okay. So the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that, is that, to be honest with you, look at me. What I'm about to tell you now will help you throughout your life, especially if you're single. Don't struggle to love anybody. Just struggle to find God's purpose and will and love them after you've married them. Don't struggle. Don't struggle to love whom you don't know. Don't struggle to say, no, I don't, I'm not saying that you're not attracted. Look, People don't stop being attracted to girls, men, because they are married. They have to deal with the attraction. And there are many ways. Yeah, you don't, people don't stop looking nice. They even have a book, The Beautiful Ones Are Not Yet Born. Didn't you hear the title? Yeah. So, so the, the women are getting better, just like the men are getting When I live in America, I've seen all kinds of shapes of human beings. I'm not talking about just girls now. I'm just saying, I'm, what I mean is this, is that because of the nature of America, you see people of all colors, and because of the, the society, nobody's ashamed. You know, in, in Nigeria, you can say somebody has care leg, or those kind of, and the person is high. In America, people just, like, if you don't like the way I am, you, have, you got the problem. I got no problem. <laughs> Nobody, and where I'm landing with this, I want to help you. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm almost done. I'm going to give them the mic. I want, I want, the, the, the point I'm making is that there's nothing wrong with attraction. But remember, it's not a strong 
basis by itself alone for marriage. Because it doesn't stop because you're married. There has to be more than attraction. There has to be purpose. There has to be God's help to say, will you be joined to this person for the rest of your life? And the kind of love that makes a marriage go the distance, believe me, is divinely imparted. The kind of love that makes you love a person when they are sick. Love a person when they have insulted you, ignored you. Love a person when they are not happy with you. Love a person when you feel like, this person said, how did I even get into this relationship? You know, that kind of love is not the kind of love that you make up. It, God has to help you. That's why the Bible talks about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So, that, so, that, so in choosing a spouse, it's, it's amazing that he found a wife and then loved the wife. He wasn't going around saying, I'm looking for love. Because if you look for love, you're going to find the wrong thing. Just what you need to look for is God's purpose, God's will, God's plan, what's good for you with God's divine help. And then God will walk you through the process. It doesn't stop you from being human. It doesn't mean that as a man now, if I see a good-looking girl, I'll say, no, she doesn't exist, or I didn't see her, or it's just a lie. That's also a form of lie, right? But it's just that my Bible helps me and it says to me, seeing her is not a problem. It's if I see her and see her again. If I look at her and look at her, then I'm in trouble. If I lie down on my bed at night and I'm seeing the images of all the women I saw during the day, it means I have a serious problem. I should not be able to remember it. Okay? But how? It's not, by, it's not because I'm old-fashioned or stupid. It's that you make a covenant and say, well, God has created, but I don't go beyond that bound. There's a boundary. Okay? It's a simple boundary. You talk to a sister after service. You're nice. You're courteous. You appreciate who they are. But you have to also know that you can flirt emotionally. And you don't need to do all that stuff. Right? And then when you're married, you have to honor your spouse by respecting yourself. Does that make sense? Yes. You, you honor your spouse by respecting yourself. You just say, I, I have I've taken a woman if you think about our culture, you know, the reason I'm still talking because Pastor Fed is around, because you would have taken it back by now. This is my last sentence. If you go to a home as a man, let me focus on the man just this last moment, and you go to a woman, go to a home and take a woman from her parents, assuming that parents are alive or somebody represented them, and she comes and joins you and changes her last name and accepts to be your wife, and moves out of your home, moves into your home or a new home, both of you agree. That process, respect it. Honor the person for saying, if I came, went out of my way, and you accepted me, and you chose to become my spouse, be my friend, and change your name and answer my name, give that person honor. Respect them. Make your spouse to be your best friend. The foundation of every good marriage is friendship. Imagine spending the rest of your friend. That means that life is going to go on. You come back, you're not happy, but because it's your friend. And then you're angry with her or him, but because it's your friend, you say, ah, if you're not my friend, eh, I will, you will not eat in this house, but you're my friend. Because you're my friend, there's a limit to how angry I can get with you. I, you're my, not just that I love you, I like you. I like hanging out with you. 
You make me happy. You appreciate. And these things are all skills that are acquired. Working with another person, not focusing on their weakness, but encouraging them throughout life. That's why we need help to embark on this journey. Don't make it all carnal, all personal. There is a place for carnality, but not as a basis of life. Because you're human, carnality is flesh. You're still flesh. If I pinch you, you're going to feel the pain. That means you're carnal. But the point is that you can't build spirituality on carnality. You have to build spirituality on spirituality. All of us need God's help in order to go the distance. Build a home that will work. Let's not focus on fewer things. Focus on the whole thing. There are many things about marriage. Responsibility. Children will come. They're expensive. You have to find school. You have to look after them. If you're not careful, it will become, it will take over everything else. And yet, if you have a balanced way to do it, God will help you. Let me pause here. Thank you. All right, thank you, sir. Uh, we'll take two questions um, before we end. <laughs> okay, I have one here. Okay, we'll start with you. Hi, good evening. My name is Seluka, and uh, my question goes to you. So I, I want to return to the issue of abortion. Because, you know, you say you live in the United States, and that is a very hot topic in the United States, especially during this election period. Sure. So uh, you said the lady does not have the right to abort the child, right? You said there is no accidental birth, right? So what, what of, because uh, this left-wing people in the United States, sure, so sure. what of in case of a rape? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the girl or the lady was raped, and in the process, she got pregnant mm -hmm. and delivered. So, and... Because, because uh, sometimes, this, uh, during the time of ISIS, ISIS raped a lot of women and they got pregnant. The lady might not want to keep the pregnancy and say, let me abort the child. So what happens in this case? Let me take one by one. Or wait. I can answer that or wait for the next one. Okay. Yeah. Someone said I have a question. You? Okay. So, I, you know, it's a great question. But, I, but you also gave us a contest and helps us. You helped the process, right? You said, what about the case of rape? So you have already made it an exception. Okay, so you're saying, what about if rape happens and all that? Wait, what, one of the principles of our life is that you focus on the substance and then you deal with the exceptions when they happen to say, this has happened, what do we do? But you know, the America you called, that the abortion is not about rape. You know that. I hope you know that those are the exceptions. The abortion is that hormones are working and there are no restraints. That the society has removed authority and said that they've, they've removed authority. Look, follow me. Follow me. Don't be distracted, right? What's going on? I don't have all the answers, but one of the things... America, you're careful how you raise your family. You're careful how you raise your family because, you know, the old fashion way or African way of instruction at home, correction. Those things is called abuse. Right? You correct the child. They say you're being abusive. They can even take you out of the home. So all those things have affected the home. And so people have a lot of liberty. And they make choices 
so early in life before they can actually have the maturity to make the right choice. If there is a case of rape, there are many ways those things are handled, right? But I'm not focused on the exception. I'm focused on the substance. Substance means that God said, a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Now, somebody said, what about this? What about that? All those things, when they happen, you did them. Each, of, each unique case, you deal with it. But the general case is that the reason abortion is high in a place like in America is that people are getting together without the commitment and responsibility of marriage. And because it's a natural consequence, it happens. That's what I'm just dealing with. I'm not coming here that I have all the answers. And I'm saying, you, you will not be raped in Jesus' mighty name. And, and, and I, 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 I pray for you that you make the right choice and that your choice will not be, should I abort or not abort, that your choice will be that I am eager to have children. Because you desire it. It's honorable. People are waiting for you to come and celebrate with you. Is the point I'm really making. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Good evening, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, so my name is Isaac. I want to... God bless you. I want to ask about um, finding a spouse. Okay. Um, so I struggle with the idea that God would show you somebody, you know, that and say, that is my wife. Um, because I've had a very vivid um, example with someone that I know so well. And um, it started as, that's, I mean, all the pointers showed that both of them understood, you know, saying that that's my wife. It was, it was so vivid that he was, go to this certain state, look at the lady, and both of them had the same story. And then, I mean, five years into the marriage, they are married, but they are not happily married okay. because a couple of things were not straightened out mm -hmm. regardless. Mm -hmm. And you see that the man will still behave like a baby some days. Mm -hmm. And then another use case would be somebody close to that person mm -hmm. that just became a friend of somebody mm -hmm. and then both of them were grounded in the word of God mm -hmm. and they liked each other and they became married. Mm -hmm. So that contract for me would really... I, I always feel like the, the more important thing is to understand and know God and know where to hear from God and then find somebody in the, because at the, the same Bible says he will find the wife, mm -hmm. and then find somebody along the way, mm -hmm. and then pray and say, God, at the same time, um, I feel like, like you said, that there's a canal part of it, which is, for somebody to be your friend, it's not easy, honestly. Even as guys, some days, I can be singing with children every day, and it's not my genuine friend, mm -hmm. you know, and then uh, more, you know, can't just, Okay, so, is my friend, but I'm just saying that I struggle with that idea. Yeah. Okay, so, so let's, I've heard what he said. Let's not miss what I said, right? Um, where he was landing is the position that I was carrying. What I said about marriage, ultimately, the choice is yours. All I said to you, I said, in making a choice of a partner, involve God. And how God, how much you involve him is a measure of your spirituality. So, let, so there, there's a wide spectrum. There are people that are at the point in their, at the time they're getting married, where they, they, they just say to I can't choose for myself. Help me. Choose for me. There are people that are there. But they, that's the relationship they have. Because it's not, the, it's not that when they want to marry, it's the first time they're talking to God. 
They have done many things with God. They've gone to school with God. They have made journeys. They've, they've done many things. So marriage is just a very important junction, but not the first thing. So they only start praying when they want to marry. So my counsel to you is that however God has been leading you, let him lead you like that. Nothing special. Okay? But so there's that spectrum. There's the other end of it. What's important is that because marriage journey is a journey you can embark on your human friend alone. Because there are many ups and downs. There are good days, there are days, that things will happen, and so on and so forth. So you cannot you cannot walk by yourself. You need God's help. So I'm saying that involve him so that you don't start calling on him frantically in the midst of the marriage. Involve him for the beginning. That's all I was saying. Now, how you involve him depends on you. It depends on your spirituality, your understanding. If you're the kind of person, you'll be making choices. You chose the school, you went to university. You didn't, so if you, it depends on how you prayed, how you chose. You want to marry a wife. You can say, I saw her, I like her, I want to marry her. It's a choice. But I'm saying that when you make that choice, make sure that if you know enough to say to God, I want to marry this person. And um, whatever, however you talk to God. I've told you somebody who was praying and God said, yeah, God was showing him, all these people you are looking at, they are good. But in the longest run, this is my best choice for you. Why does God do that? He's not, he's not forcing. You are the one going to marry the person. In, on the day of the marriage, you are the one saying I do. God didn't say I do. You said I do. You are the one getting married. You are the one living with your spouse. But the difference is that if God is involved, if you get married, God is involved. If you ever have a problem, you will report that problem to God. You don't, you don't, you don't fight with your spouse. You say, God, you told me that this is my husband. He's misbehaving. What should I do? God will hear you because, you know, you've been talking. But if, now somebody says, what about if I cannot hear from God? Well, if you cannot hear from God, there must be a way that God leads you. Whether it's tumbom, tumbom, whatever it is. You go to the groceries, you buy food. How do you know what to buy? You buy dress. Some, you have a way of making choices. But I'm saying that as you grow spiritually, you'll find that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So spiritual leadership is evidence of spiritual sonship and maturity. Is the point I'm making. Okay? So the more spiritual you are, the more you are guided, not just in marriage, in many other... Look, let's take a job. Is it, I talked about marriage. Let's not be confused. Where should I work? For some people, the highest paying job, that's fine, but that's not enough. You don't know what is highest paying today, maybe lowest paying tomorrow. So, by the way, let me tell you something else. I mentioned this on Sunday, I say it again, and then we move to the next person. The truth is that God can send you, open the door for you to work in a place. It's not the highest paying place. But that will give you the highest level of preparation for where you're going. I, I, I mean, I know somebody, he was not even born again. He was working in an oil company. This is like 30 years ago. Oil company. And a, a, an accounting firm came to audit the accounts. And the managing partner said to him, come and join us. So when he interviewed with them, he passed the interview. And they said, they told him, the party partner told him, he said, listen, I know you're earning a lot of money now. Much more that I can pay you. I'm the managing partner of the firm. This is a this is Lagos, Nigeria. This is where it's happening. Or you he said, just join us. He said, but if you join me, when I'm done with training you, money will follow you the rest of your life. If, when I'm done with you, now you're earning more. And for many people that followed the money but didn't get any training, and they're not able to attract 
resources. But there are people that were well trained. There are people that, because of who they become, they can never be poor. They just can be. If they enter any boardroom and open their mouth, everybody will know that this person has to be honored. That's what I'm. So, so it's not just about marriage. There's divine leadership, guidance. So in marriage, it's the same thing. So you have to say, how do I know where to walk as a Christian? What to do? Does it, is it wrong to say they are paying me off? It's not wrong, but it's, it's not. It doesn't mean that it's always the best choice. Is the point I'm making? Okay, one more. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Um, okay, just one quick one. Pastor John is hosting this. I spoke about this on Sunday. Apostles in the Marketplace. Um, I've been to the program, and I, it comes highly recommended. So we'll give you this. They're closing tonight. So if you're attending, you have to send an email um, to get a slot. It's a limited um, slot. It's a free training, but it really comes highly recommended. I mean, even the period I attended about five years ago, a lot of the speakers took the sessions and were blessed for it. There are a couple of books that I think um, I'll recommend that you also get and, and stay on them. Um, Apostles of Righteousness in the Marketplace. Um, Go Forward is also here. So this is a 1,000 each for this one's. Striving for Mastery is 2000. The Blueprint for Nigeria, for those of us that have um, a political bent or just want to have your own, an understanding of your citizenship or you have a sense of political consciousness, this really comes highly recommended. The Green Book is free, but it, you buy one, get one free. Um, you will get. All right, you will get. All right, guys, um, we are going to do, uh, we're, we're out of time, but we're going to do two things. We have um, a family here. Uh, the beloved family and they're relocating to Canada. This is becoming quite frequent, but we hope, <laughs> we hope, well, we hope, yeah, but it's a good move, right? Uh, and Cheesy, we love you guys. Please come, let's pray with you guys. <laughs> now they're, they're Canadians. <laughs> So you guys have been planning this thing since. <laughs> All right. Um, amazing. I, I really want us to, um, to leave them with a prayer. Moving out of your country to another man's country, it's an entirely different ballgame. But there, there is a mission to everything that we do for God, right? Even going there, those people, they need fire. You see yourselves first as missionaries. Right, and uh, maybe Stripe Stripe Canada, we don't know. We don't know. But the point is, um, we want to leave you with a prayer and pray that as you go. You know, I, I keep saying that with God, there is no better yesterday. Um, every day in God, the path of the just is a shining light. It shines bright and bright unto a perfect end. So let's stretch forth our hands and pray for protection, for um, safety. And that as they go, they'll find community, they'll find love, they'll find home. And God will use them to everyone that will come in contact with them will come in contact with God. Their hands and their feet will be an extension of God in the land. And that God will through them establish a home that will speak of the possibilities of marriage and the, that marriage is, can work. We are praying that you will go there, you will find favor. And concerning your career, you will not have to jostle around trying to figure out where the job will come from. For God will grant you favor. And as you go, the jobs will come. The jobs that will be incredibly fulfilling for you. 
We're also praying that the resources you need to settle, God will make it available. And we're also praying for your child and everyone that will come, that today God will constantly build this wall of protection around you guys. That there will be no weapon of the enemy formed or fashioned against you that will prosper. We're praying that the Lord will bless you even as you go forth and make you a blessing even in the land. That the Lord will cause his face to shine upon you each and every day you wake up in the city. That as you go forth, you go forth in his name. That the Lord indeed will enlarge the coast about you. We're praying that there will always be bread and water in your home. That you will never have any reason to lack. That the, your years will be preserved and protected. The enemy will not cut you short. For God will keep his promise. The promises of life and protection will be yours. So, Father, I thank you. I ask for favor, Father. Favor. You surround them like a shield. I speak favor in their lives in the name of Jesus. You protect them in the name of Jesus. Clarity in the name of Jesus. I speak peace into the transition, Father. That you will take charge in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, thank you, guys. It was it was it was great doing life with you. You guys are still there, so we'll, keep, we'll still be doing much. Huh? Okay, it's it's great doing life. It's been great doing life with you. Um, okay, Uzo, you have something to say? Any thoughts? Yes, we we found the land. You guys, your first seed. Don't forget it. All right, guys. This is not. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, We'll pray and then we'll quickly take our offerings. Um, we, we found the land, the village. That's what I call it, the village. So we have the village project. So we're trying to create um, to create a village, right? That's what we call it. It's, um, it's um, 1,250 square meters. It's quite a big space. We want to put a tent in. We really want to get creative with it, right? What that place will be is supposed to be a tourist attraction where they will come for tourism and counter Holy Spirit. Guys, let's, that's the plan. So we, we, there is a design, but we're looking for more because there isn't so much parking space and we will not like to be a nuisance to our neighbors knowing that their souls are needed, right? So we want to park well, right? So there are still a couple of options, but this one clicked. It clicked on the level, right? Um, so I think they told us um, seven million for a year or as opposed to like three years for five years. So we're going to be like there for five years, but it's the village, right? And God will make it happen. Right, as we stretch, trust me, we've managed growth, but God has called us to step out in faith and scale. Right, anything that is healthy will grow, and we've been blessed. I mean, Pastor John, thank you so much. I mean, you cannot come into tribe and not get something. God has just helped us like that, He just loves us like that. Right, just keeps blessing us with fresh words and all that. Um, but we need to get others in here. Our work is cut out for us, we are called to cater to people who are the fringes. And here in the city of Lagos, trust me, we are building strong arms and strong feet to take on the work because there are people caught up in drugs. We must go for them. Like, we don't, we don't, we're not looking to evangelize to already church people. Leave your brother in redeem. Let your sister stay in that church. It's not their game. Don't be convincing them to come. Our job is to look for them who have not found a home and tell them they have one. So our job is, as you walk through the streets, honestly, sometimes I wish it's a, a, a less demanding type of ministry. But that's not what God handed us. He handed us the, the, like, I don't know, this tough side, right? So, but we are called to steward it with wisdom. 
Um, so I really want us to keep, keep praying about it. But Pastor John, please, I would like you to leave us um, with a prayer. It's, it's a work that has grown on us, um, demanding more from us, and seeing us become more. But let's rise to leave a prayer for us. thank you. We we'll thank you for the tribe. We we'll thank you for the vision in the house, the vision in the heart. We we'll thank you for your God of purposes. You're the God that has birthed this vision, causing it to grow, to expand, to bring forth, to become Father, tonight, we thank you for who you are, for the work you've done, the work you are doing, and the work you want to do. We commit the village into your hands. Father, we ask tonight for clarity. We ask tonight for empowerment. We ask tonight, Father, for support. We ask tonight for the release of resources. We ask tonight, Father, for the grace, for greater and higher impact. Father, you know what this work needs. Father, there are people that have been called onto this work, and there are people scattered all over the city that you have called them to reach out to. All they will need in order to walk the works of God on earth. Father, tonight, we thank you because it's released upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. The wisdom the leadership needs, we commit Pastor Ferdinand into your hands and the team. The wisdom they need. Father, the insight, the capacity, the maturity, the depth, the understanding. Father, the arms, the feet, the legs, the, all the things that they need, the resources. Oh God, oh God, tonight we receive by faith upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, you know the innermost desires of your heart. You're the one that calls. You're the one that equips. Father, we know that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. We pray, oh God, that what you have called them to do in this city and beyond, Father, they will do in the name of Jesus Christ. They will conquer new territories. Father, you will expand their horizons. Anoint him particularly with his eyes, with eyes have, that he will see with clarity with clarity, with clarity, with clarity. The support network they need. The support network they need. The fathering. Father, the networking. The relationships. Father, bring unto them in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight. Because exceeding abundantly, above all, that they may ask or think. Father, you have done for them. You are laying foundations. You have laid foundations. And you yet lay many more foundations. As they continue to grow and expand and become the expression or whatever you're asking them to become a manifestation of. Father, I know that they will look back and they'll be glad because they've been backed on this journey with you. Surprise them. Father, surprise them. May your presence be upon them. Whatever they do, wherever they go, let your presence continue to be with them and go with them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. It's well. Thank you so much. Um, 
um, a couple of things. Um, today we had a wedding, Larry and um, Namso's wedding. Yes, yes, yes. So quite a number of people are still stuck in traffic. Abuleba, um, I dodged that one. Right, but the, the, we also had a baby dedication and we're coming from there. Um, so there's so much. We want you to join us and keep praying. God is really establishing us and increasing the strength here. Um, and marriages, we've been told this year that marriages will come. Um, may you be one of them. Pastor John, but on behalf of the tribe, we two things, guys. Um, we're taking, a, we are taking a, um, a, a prophet's offering for Pastor John as well. He, ne- he will never ask. He doesn't demand anything from us. He's such a father that gives. But I know what honor is, and we must honor. So tonight, guys, send something into the account tonight. We didn't fly him in, but we've enjoyed more than people that brought him. <laughs> he had a such grace. But let's reciprocate in that. We cannot not give to honor the graces that God brings our way. That's one of the things that we must learn as a generation. They are called ancient landmarks. Innovation cannot invalidate it because there are principles that are enduring. So guys, please, yeah, see the, the tribe account number, put the prophet offering there and send it tonight. Pastor John, thank you so much. I don't know how long you, are, you have left in Nigeria, but at the next coming will be ours. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.